Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello there, ahoy, welcome to Writer's Routine. This week we are chatting to Emily Horton. Emily wrote the entire draft of her first novel on her phone whilst travelling around the world. You can hear about the actual logistics of that and how annoying it must have been pretty much texting an entire novel. Uh, We talk about her brand new book, Last Time We Met, and also with many rom-coms available to read for you, what does she do to make sure hers stands out? What I strongly believe in for my books is that it's not just the love story. So the love story is obviously core to it, but for me, I also want to make sure the characters, there's something more. There's usually like a, a deep emotional journey or something they're working through separately um it is hard and i do also think the reality is there are only so many you know nothing is really very original anymore in any any art or any kind of form of life and so i think it's trusting that the way you tell the story will eventually differentiate you and your style and how you bring characters forward there is more on the way with emily horton in this week's writer's routine Yes. Welcome along to the show. This is Writer's Routine, where we take a look through an author's working day to see how they plan their life, their space, their day to take the book from their head and get it down onto the page and hopefully published too. Uh, My name is Dan Simpson. Thank you for being there, for following, for sharing, for listening. Uh, We are, what, a week away from Bloody Scotland, one of the biggest crime writing festivals in Europe. It's happening next weekend, next weekend when this is out. Yeah, it might have. Anyway, it's happening next weekend up in Stirling in Scotland. Uh, I will be there chairing two sessions, one about writing Americana, uh, the other in conversation with Joanne Harris and also Janice Hallett. If you're around, uh, make sure you pop along, come and say hi. You can get your tickets right now. Just search Bloody Scotland online. Now, this week on the show, we are chatting to Emily Horton. And I cannot emphasise this enough. She wrote the entire first draft of her debut on her phone and we talk about that like the implications of just uh, like texting your novel when you're on a bus that's probably going down a strange rickety winding road out in the back end of australia or something like that it must have been an absolute nightmare but she managed to do it Uh, and we talk then through what it's been like moving forward 
publishing books, having to be a bit more structured, you could say, in her writing. Now, the new novel is Last Time We Met. It's about Eleanor and Finn, who, like maybe a few people, I reckon, make a pact when they're young. If they're not married by the time they're 35, they will hitch up together. Well, then they end up meeting 15 years later and things start to happen. We talk about her scene breakdowns, how she plans them, how she gets into the story as well. Also, what she perceives her own style to be. Now, this this tale went through quite a lot of um, uh, redrafts. Uh, You can find out how it changed along the way and how different the final product is from that initial idea that she had right at the start. And we chat through why she keeps returning to write Uplit and Rom-Com. We get into that with Emily Horton and we start things off with what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. At the moment where I'm writing, um, I am at a desk. Um, I have my laptop and then kind of lots of paper around me, lots of notes, kind of always have something on hand to be able to kind of scribble and make notes or just doodle in my in my moments where I'm, I'm finding it hard to find words. Um, and yeah, there's like a sofa to my left. So it's in my, it's, I'm at my parents at the moment. So it's in their study. So there's pictures on the wall and there's a sofa to my left and like a big shelf of books behind me, um, which is quite nice because it, it kind of feels like a good space to write surrounded by lots of other people's words and kind of inspiration. Is there an order to the uh, chaos of paper around you? If you wanted to reach for something that you, specific, would you know where to turn? Yeah, it, there's, it's like organized chaos. There's always like a blank sheet near me. And then there's like all the other notes kind of to my left, just like, especially if I'm kind of in the middle of like editing writing, it's kind of all there so I know where it is but if someone came in they'd probably be like oh <laughs> what is going on here <laughs> um so your your parents writing right now have you uh, written in many, many different places then through your book so far yeah I was I was thinking about this before we had the conversation I was like there hasn't been a consistent routine to any of my books so book one my debut was written primarily the first kind of bulk of it the first draft was on my phone while I was traveling around India and Sri Lanka so that was a very uh interesting and probably unstructured way to write a book um the second one was in London during kind of the pandemic so in my flat um kind of not able to go anywhere and then now the third one has kind of been in London a bit more freedom, so kind of out and about, and now kind of in Suffolk. So they've all kind of had a journey. <laughs> they've all kind of been written alongside wherever I'm going. So yeah, there's never been like a consistent space, I don't think, really. Uh, when I saw that you had written your first draft mainly on your phone, I was like a bit flabbergasted because I can't type a sentence without just being it littered with like typos whenever I'm texting or on WhatsApp. Uh, how... How much of a, a, a pain was that then? I don't know, being on, on a busy bus perhaps in India and, and trying to get down a thousand or so words. I think at the time, because I wasn't really, I was just doing it because to, almost to do it, like I didn't have any expectation in mind. So there was no real pressure to kind of get it out, for example. So 
I mean, it wasn't easy. I mean, I have very small hands. So actually, I think it was probably the only time they've been of use to be able to like write quickly on my phone. Um, and yeah, it was probably more just a stream of consciousness rather than, you know, obviously when we were editing it, everything by that point, I was back home and it, and it was on my on my laptop. But I actually found it quite good, because, quite freeing because I just would write bits as they came, um, typos and, and all. So it was almost just a way to get it out, which for me was really helpful um, in that first kind of stage. Then you move on when that's published and, and you have to write more books, perhaps in a more organized manner. Um, How did you find that transition that you can't just write whenever you fancy on your phone? Maybe you've got to plan this a bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, I did plan, book one was planned in the loose sense. Like I'd written kind of what what I wanted to happen, like a skeleton kind of A to B kind of thing. And obviously that changes over time. And I still do that with, well, the current, the book that's coming out very soon and future you know book three and on so it felt very different it felt quite refreshing because also I kind of knew what needed to be done now so I'd already done it once I'd kind of been through the big editing process I knew the pacing I knew how it should sound and feel a lot more whereas with book one I was kind of completely clueless and just doing it because I had all this kind of stuff in my head so in a way yes it was it was slightly more pressured and a bit more rigid but actually I quite enjoyed it because I I I felt like I knew a bit more what I was doing and a bit less kind of (laughs) here's all my thoughts how do we make this work so yeah the structure was good um and yeah I think planning it helps always having a skeleton for me is important of where I want it to start and end and the key points in between. And then often when I start writing, you know, it changes and I have to revisit it and replan it. But yeah, it was different. We, we can get quite, um, I guess, quite nerdy on the show. If your first book was written on the, uh, on the phone, what about book, book two? How, how was that written? What, what software were you using? And also what font were you using, Emily? <sighs> the font, the font conversation. Um, well, I was just using my laptop my MacBook, and it was just some Microsoft Word, the classics. Um, and I was using a classic Times New Roman 12 font. Not my go-to, but actually when I'm writing, I find it it quite, it makes me feel quite formal, actually. So <laughs> makes me feel like I'm actually doing some work rather than, yeah, I don't know, just other things, you know. So that, that was what I, my now method of choice is for book two and on, is that's how I kind of, what I use. You're still fairly early on in a career of writing. You know, you're, you're getting book three done right now. We'll talk about book two in a little bit. How much are you, uh, I guess, assessing? That might be the wrong word. Uh, yeah, assessing the how you have written in the past to kind of grow and change and do it in a way that best suits you as you move through books. Yeah, I think, you know, definitely from book, from each book, it's definitely progressed. And I'm quite aware of that. Again, I think just being completely naive in book one and how it all came about was a blessing in one way, but it was a huge learning experience. You know, it was kind of a steep curve. And I think also with each book, I've challenged myself more with complexity so each one is a slightly more complex 
kind of book to pull off. So with that, then I have to learn more things. And so naturally, it's been a progression. And yeah, when I when I was writing book two, it definitely felt better. You know, I felt like it flowed better. I understood better. I was getting what I needed quicker from the characters. There was less heavy edits. Um, book three is is slightly difficult because there's just many moving parts. But still, you know, the characters and, and all of that stuff feels much more comfortable, and I and I understand more. So now I'm just challenging myself in different ways. Um, so yeah, it never stops. But I, I feel like I I always want to do better and do more so i'm quite aware of that with each with each one and you say you need to to learn more before you you try these different things out how are you doing that is it simply just kind of going over what you've done or maybe learning as you go as you try it out i don't know are you are you reading books are you listening to to podcasts what's going on yeah i think for me i have to write it usually i have to do something and then kind of review and see where it's not hit the mark. Obviously having, you know, it's not just, yes, I write the book, obviously, but there's a team of people around me who are super integral to being able to like lift the story. So, you know, sometimes when you're in it, you're so deep in it that it takes someone else to read it to just be like, actually, no, my agent is incredible. And I get to work with an, uh, an awesome editor who has been amazing. And so getting that feedback and having conversations and not doing it completely in isolation has been huge for me. Um, and yeah, reading, reading other people's work, looking at how other people do it, um, even just to know maybe what isn't my style and what I don't necessarily want to be writing like. And then also finding things that I really like and then trying to adapt it to my voice. So it's kind of a mix. Like I kind of have to do it and learn and fail a few times and then it kind of sinks in. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to do the failing process a number of times before it lands. So I always start my day the same way. So I have like a routine just like to get, I like do some movement, I do some breath work. Basically, I think for me, getting rid of as much unnecessary or distracting kind of thought energy. You know, I just kind of, it's a way for me to just shake off anything that I don't want to take into the day and ground myself. Cause I think spending a lot of time in your head can be uh, an interesting place sometimes. Um, so it clears a lot of space for me. Then I'll have my breakfast and then I'll sit down and, and kind of pick up where I left off. I don't, I don't really time myself you know I don't set myself time I don't really have a word limit for a day I just write and get to a point where I feel like I can I'm I've done enough and I can feel either I'm really forcing it or I'm getting quite aggravated if it's if it's not coming and then I either walk away do some probably more movement take a kind of walk clear my head and then come back to it um because sometimes I find if I set myself a word limit, you know, I've got to write a thousand today or I've got to reach this goal. It, it puts an unnecessary pressure on me and I just feel frustrated by that. Um, and I don't really work from a very good place when, when I'm in that state of mind. So, yeah, and then and then I will leave it 
often things if I'm writing then come through throughout the day. So I'll note it down on my phone or, or I'll write it down on the piece of paper around me and then come back at it the next day with kind of fresh, fresh eyes and then just continue through. So at, at the end of your day, uh, if you're not writing towards a necessary target or word count, how do you know that you're in a good place to close the laptop? Mm, yeah, I feel it does depend. Obviously, if, if there are deadlines and, and editing is also very different for me from, and I'm sure most people, from kind of the creative process. So if I'm editing, usually I do set myself like I'm going to edit five chapters today or I'm going to edit up until this point because there's usually a strict timeline there and it's fairly easy to work to kind of get through. But if I'm writing kind of creative from scratch or, you know, I'm doing a draft from kind of the beginning, I feel like, I I don't know, it just, I I kind of get to a point where I know myself and I'll know if, like I said, if it's, if I'm forcing it, if I'm feeling frustrated, if something's not flowing, then I'll then I'll stop because I you know I personally don't find it productive sitting staring at a laptop just being angry at myself. Like for me, that's not where the good stuff comes. So I've had to learn to just walk away and trust that you know I'll come back and it will be there rather than forcing it and stressing about it. You were talking about your breath work earlier on, and and I and I know that you're into maybe for want of a better phrase, quote, quote, newer age thinkings of way of doing things. I don't know, you know I don't know the, the correct way to say that, which is, you know, um, how do you make sure you are in a good place that, that you are, well, that you are writing the good stuff then? Uh, because you kind of, as you move on and you publish more books, you, you, you need to maximize your time, I guess. So how do you make sure you're in a position to do that without putting the pressure on you that might lead to guilt later on? Yeah, I mean, I will say that, I mean, there is a huge amount of guilt. And and actually, that's one of the biggest things I'm really trying to, for me, work through. I guess because also I came from a corporate background. So there's always stuff to do and there's always deadlines and, you know, there's this go, go, go. And we measure, success is measured almost by how busy you are, not necessarily how productive you are. And for me, that's been a really huge, and I still struggle with it, and I'm still kind of in the process of working on it, shift in mindset. So for me, I, I've, I just really have to trust based on my experiences of book one and two that I can write. And when I am in flow, it comes, you know, when it, when it flows, you know, I'll just be writing. It doesn't stop almost. So I, in order to get to that space, I need to make sure that my mind is as clear as possible and you know there's enough room for those ideas to come through um i'm physically in in a good space health wise because if i feel tired or i feel lethargic and unwell then that's never really a a positive space for me to write from so i think it, it comes from like really listening to like what i need in each moment and i know that sounds very maybe abstract but Again, you know, if I'm sat there forcing something and I'm getting stressed and I don't feel well and it's just not going to happen. And and I've had to really learn to honor that and step away. So I think taking care of doing the, the rituals and the routines that set me up for the day and 
again as well like doing things that make me happy because usually that's when kind of the inspiration strikes like when i'm talking to people or i'm out having experiences and like living life like that's when that juicy stuff comes um so i need to I, i've been trying to learn to trust that more yeah now that, that that's a really amazing way of of, of- kind of looking at it when you sit there working when you start your day rather and you sit in front of your laptop uh, how do you know what you're planning to get done that day yeah so if I'm writing so because because how I start I don't I have an idea for the book and then I'll do the skeleton so I'll plan kind of what that you know the stages of what I want the book to go through so I kind of I'll either write out chapter by chapter usually it's quite high level then it breaks it down into chapter by chapter so I have that rough skeleton and then I'll just work through it. I mean, for book three, it's been interesting because I, I rewrote the start about seven times because the pacing just was off. And then I got into this loop of just rewriting the same stuff. And I, I had to just force myself to leave it, go th- right through to the end, because only then you really get a view for me of how everything falls into place. So even if I want to keep going back and, and working on the same stuff, I try and force myself to just follow that skeleton through um, to the end. And then I'll be able to go back and, and then work through it again in kind of in order. But there is, there is a logic to what probably sounds slightly chaotic, like my desk area. <laughs> when, when you were uh, rewriting the intros six or seven times, well, like to get the pace right, what were you changing? yeah so we were changing i say we i were changing kind of where it started so the the, where we met the character so the first time it was it was there was too much information about her because essentially the book is about a a character that goes traveling not completely autobiographical i will say but obviously based on similar experiences to what i had um so the first time we joined the character way before she went and it was just too much and then, then it was, we joined her too soon before she went. And so then it was just getting the point of how do you balance getting to know the reasons behind why this character would go and what's caused that, that trip to happen. And also getting to the love story because with the, with the rom-com genre, obviously people are picking it up for that love story. So it can't take an age to get there because by that point, people have probably dropped off or you know, left it. So that's the bit where to start and how much to give away before we launched into the love story was what we were working on, basically. Do you feel, I know this is a book that you're trying to sell, but do you feel that in the end you got that right? Um, well, we are, it's still a work in progress. No, I, I think definitely the beginning bit is, is in the right space. It, it's such a huge amount to cover in one book the, the the beginning and the end are great and now it's working on that you know how they get from a to b uh but i think we're close and i think it's so important that we have that you know going through the, these rewrites is going to make it as great as i you know i can see how great it's going to be but it's just how to bring it out is the bit i'm working on at the moment so yeah i think we're close Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. 
Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We've got more with Emily Horton in just a sec on the show. Very quickly popping up to say thank you for listening. And also... Thank you for supporting the show just by downloading, by following, by sharing this with people, by telling people about the tips you've learned here. Uh, you are helping us out, and I really appreciate that. If you would like to go just that little bit further, you can support the show with a few dollars every month by becoming a backer at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. By doing that, you obviously get our eternal thanks. You get uh, merch. There is bonus content. There is even a way for your book to sponsor this show. Doesn't cost a lot. As I say, whatever you can give goes an extraordinarily long way, and I really appreciate it. It helps me to keep bringing you these episodes as often as we can with some of the best authors around, some who have published loads, some who are just getting started, some who have, mani- who have been allowed to dedicate their whole day, their whole space to writing, some who have to fit it in around work, around family life, around everything else. You hear from the full lot, and I really appreciate your support. If you'd like to do that, if you'd like to help us out, pledge become a backer at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it then with Emily Horton on the show, fresh from the success of her debut that she wrote on her phone called Before I Saw You. Uh, she's got a new book out. It's called Last Time We Met about Eleanor and Finn, who make a pact to maybe get married if they're both alone in the future. Guess what happens? They end up in the future. What happens? They're both alone. Will they get married? You can find out in the book. We chat about her planning scene breakdowns. Also, what she thinks about rom-coms rarely end up being series novels, if she ever gets tempted to come back to a character. And we dive back into the show, talking about the entry point into a story. For Emily, how does she know the character and the plot well enough to start writing? What comes through for me always is dialogue. So I hear the conversations and and actually most of my notes are kind of, you know, conversations. Even in, I remember even in kind of my summaries, you know, when I had to do one pages of like book ideas, I'll always write dialogue in it. Um, And so because for me that anchors the scene, like a conversation or what they're saying. So they are quite detailed. For me, that's the thing that comes most naturally and resonates the most. And then I build the scene out from kind of that snippet of conversation or or that kind of long conversation, depending on how much comes through in that moment when I'm planning it. Um, 
and in you know in the edits and stuff there's always more detail so yeah the beginning is is it develops over time the more i kind of revisit that skeleton when the words aren't coming um and i know that you try not to put too much pressure on yourself so you have said that you'll just shut the laptop screen if, if, if it's not happening but if you do have to sit there and write what have you learned helps you with that some people have a cup of coffee at a certain point some a particular piece of music what do you do yeah i probably usually get very frustrated and and then i think well, it depends on what what i'm trying to write i guess um, sometimes I'll go and revisit a different part of the book just if I've been staring at the same bit over and over um, or I'm stuck on a particular bit I've tried to you know just write something else um, just to get something out and then coming back to the bit I was on often helps because I've already been in the character's heads or um, kind of developed felt like the momentum's built a bit in another area um yeah normally just like doing some movement like physically moving my body or um going outside and just even for like five minutes and then coming back to it um just helps to then reset the flow hopefully (laughs) and sometimes it doesn't and then that's when it's the kind of case of okay do we just do we park it for today um, we'll get to talking about last time we met in just a sec, but more generally, as a rom-com author, and this might be quite a trite question to ask, how hard is it to constantly come up with new ways to make characters meet? I've spoken to other authors who say that the hardest part of writing is getting two people in a room to talk to each other. But when the basis of your plot is two characters meeting, the classic meet cue, how hard are you finding it to have new ways that this thing can happen in an interesting and perhaps quirky way. Yeah. It's something I've definitely thought about as I kind of, you know, think into the future of like how many times can, yeah. How many times can I create these stories in an interesting way? And for me, what I strongly believe in for my books is that it's not just the love story. So the love story is obviously core to it but for me i also want to make sure the characters there's something more there's usually like a a deep emotional journey or something they're working through separately um it is hard and i do also think the reality is there are only so many you know nothing is really very original anymore in any any art or any kind of form of life and so I think it's trusting that the way you tell the story will eventually differentiate you and your style and how you bring characters forward. Um, and I think just connecting with people and seeing, you know, my editor once told me, like, think when you're thinking of ideas, think about the deepest human desires and their greatest fears, because those are where those hooks come, right? That, that punchy thing of something we're all searching for. And that's how kind of book two came about and, and actually how the idea for book three came through. So for me, it's, it's thinking about those big pivotal desires or fears. And then from that thinking, how do we bring that, you know, and love is essential probably to most of those for people. 
So it is something I worry about. But at the moment, I'm just, while the ideas are coming, I'm just trying to enjoy that as it is. You talked about it's your style that perhaps sets you back. And earlier we spoke about how you were learning and, and growing through each book. How much do you think about, you know, your style? What makes something very you when someone reads it? Yeah, I think naturally dialogue for me, um, it, it comes very, very easily to me. And I maybe didn't really appreciate that that's not the same for everyone. I think that happens a lot, you know, when something's just very natural to you, you kind of assume it is for everyone, but that's not necessarily the case. And a lot of my books are very dark. They are lots of dialogue. Um, and I think that for me is something I'm proud of and want to continue and is part of my style. And then also the depth of the character. So it not just being a love story, but there being, a, you know, a much more emotional element to it. The original idea is slightly different to how the book developed, but I was kind of thinking again about what, what are our greatest fears and desires as human beings. And I was thinking about that fear of being alone. And then what do we do as human beings to try and protect ourselves from, from being alone? And it was that idea of, you know, how many of us have made that pact with our friends if we're both single by the time we're however old, then we'll just get married. And I was just thinking about that. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if we actually had to go through with it. And the original idea was very much focused around that marriage pact. And last time we met has evolved in a much more organic and authentic way. But that was the germ of the idea. You know, we have the, we have these like jokey agreements but actually, would we really go through with it if we actually found ourselves single at whatever age? Um, and so that was the pivotal kind of moment that the book kind of became what it is. So you said that you do plan stories. You have a scene by scene breakdown. When you have that initial idea of uh, look, what happens if we have to go through with this pact that most people make when they're quite young, what are you doing with that idea before you start typing that first sentence? So characters. So who's going to be involved? So, you know, I kind of then do an exploration of, of them and what their stories are and how they are related to each other and, you know, that background part. Then I will just have an idea of kind of what the story would be so I've got the characters, okay, what is their journey, both separately and together? Um, and then pacing that out and then probably checking with someone if it's a valid idea and then if it's not, redoing that. Um, so getting that kind of agreement, the green light, before any kind of big words are written, you know, big amount of kind of actual draft is written. Um, and then, yeah, going and then just go in after the skeleton kind of plan has been made. Uh, but you, you're saying that this story grew organically and changed as you were writing it. How does that happen when you've got a scene-by-scene scene breakdown? Does they get to a point where you have to almost cut quite a lot of what you were thinking might happen because the characters simply don't want to do it? Yeah, and it changed in a way that was... Um, I was trying to do the skeleton, and I just kept coming back to this thing where I was like, 
personally for me, it doesn't feel believable that these characters are going to go through with this marriage. But, you know, what is so terrible really about being single at the age of 35? You know, when you're 13, yes, it feels like the end of the world. But as personally a single 31-year-old person, I'm kind of like, well, if that's what I'm writing about, like, uh, you know, it's not believable. And I don't, that's not what I want this narrative to really be about. So for me, it was kind of like how I have these characters and this kind of essence. And then it was about changing really the focus of the story. So then once that happened, the skeleton kind of formed because I was much more invested and it was much more authentic what the characters' journeys would be. So it changed quite early on before that kind of full plan had been written because it just, I kept feeling stuck on it. And if I kept feeling stuck on it, I knew something, I wasn't going to be able to write the book because I just didn't really feel it was authentic to what I wanted to say. So what did you do at that point then? How did you work through it? I sent many an email to my wonderful agent being like, I just don't think this is right. Um, And we talked it through with my incredible editor and yeah, we just, we just kind of workshopped it. And, And that's what I mean when I say, you know, obviously I write the books and it's from me, but the team of people around you who kind of help you, get through kind of maybe the mud to the real nuggets and kind of clear the path is, is super important. And, um, and once, you know, they kind of understood where I was coming from, they were like, yeah, that makes total sense. How do you want it to be? So then I went away, thought about it some more kind of talked it out with friends and family, you know, would this be something that could work? You know, again, taking it out of my own head and, and bringing it out to other people helps. And then when I was happy with it, I then just revised it and then kind of got on board with it. So yeah, it was kind of workshopping it really. Now for a, a, a rom-com, it's characters that really drive things. And, and you, you, you said yourself that uh, you were, you felt you needed to do something different because it wasn't authentic for the characters. How, how are you getting to know these people before you start telling their story? Yeah, I mean, it sounds probably quite strange, but I do hear them in my head. So I hear the conversations, so I hear their voice almost. Um, and for me, that's a big, a big starting point because I kind of can hear them. And then... You know, I, I just really sit and write even a lot of stuff that doesn't make the book, you know, write about all the things that they, they want, any habits they have, anything they love, anything that's very particular to them, how they feel about certain things, you know, just really getting into the skin of this character. And so much of that is not on the page um, and never never will be and should be but it just helps me really understand them. So I will know how they'll react if this situation comes up or I'll know how they feel about certain things because I've explored that off the page in a hundred other different ways. So for me, that's how I really get into it is by kind of fully immersing into kind of their imaginary life. In some genres, writers will take a character and publish a whole series of novels about them. That's not really something that's done with rom-com um or uplit how how do you find that you spend so much time with characters telling their story and then you kind of have to let them go 
how how much is there a desire to to see what they're up to maybe a few years down the line yeah i definitely feel it's and it's weird actually as you ask that it's never really normally with the main characters so the the kind of the, the two leads i never really feel that with because usually you've you've kind of completed their story in a way um it's normally with the kind of ensemble cast who i just absolutely love writing and you kind of create these amazing characters and then you just kind of have to leave them or they only appear for a certain amount of time and those are the ones that i'm like i wonder what they're doing or like how they've got on and yeah i think also that's the beauty of it is you kind of want people you want people to want more and sometimes maybe it's best left to their imagination um but yeah there's definitely a few characters in book one and book two that i'm quite attached to that you know maybe i'll just write for myself what happened so that i have that closure emotionally um but it is hard but i i do sometimes think a story is done you know it should just be left where it is talking about it being done how hard is it to write the last sentence when you've spent so much time um I actually find the endings quite not easy, but I, I feel like it's quite satisfying and I, I kind of know when it ends and I, and I think that's done. Um, it, it's normally all the bits I want to include in the middle that I find the hardest to kind of leave, you know? Um, but it's very satisfying once you kind of finish it. I mean, it never feels done. You can always change it. But when you've got that final sentence, it's like, okay, no more. That's the bit I can't really keep adding to. So for me, it feels very satisfying, quite kind of draws a line in the sand. And that is it for this week's Writer's Routine. Thank you so much to Emily Horton for coming on the show. That new book is Last Time We Met. Pick it up. Find out what happens in the future for Eleanor and Finn. Now, next week, ahead of Bloody Scotland, which I might have mentioned, I'm chairing a few sessions there, we're chatting to one of the co-founders, Gordon Brown. Not that one. Gordon Brown. Uh, He sometimes writes under a pseudonym, Morgan Cry. Under that name, he's got a brand new novel out. It's called Six Wounds. You can hear all about it next week on the show. In the meantime, say hello, use the contact page, let me know what you think, what questions you'd like to ask, what authors you'd like me to chat to at writersroutine.com. You can also uh, leave us a review on Apple. You can follow us at Writers Pod, and you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash writersroutine. And I will see you next week chatting to Gordon Brown. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.